He just said, I want to touch people with my art. I want them to feel that I love them, that I love nature. I want them to feel that even in this insignificant body of mine, and I'm a nobody, but I know that I love God, I love nature, and I want that to be expressed in my art. Welcome to the Renovare Podcast, a place for honest conversations about interactive life with God. I'm Nathan Foster, and my guest today is artist, teacher, and author, Carol Berry. I remember when I first read Henry Nouwen, I felt a shift. I'm not exactly sure what pulled me in. I suspect it had something to do with his depth of thought, his, his searching, and sometimes uncomfortable honesty about himself and God. And I remember when I first encountered the paintings of Vincent van Gogh, I felt another shift. And again, I'm not entirely sure what it was that drew my heart to his work, but he seemed to embody a depth and an honesty. It's only now that I'm making these connections between Henry and Vincent. It has a lot to do with Carol's new book. It's titled Learning from Henry Nouwen and Vincent van Gogh. And in the book, Carol works with insights from a class she took in 1978 with Henry Nouwen. The class was about Vincent van Gogh. And she was given a box of Henry's notes on the class. In that, she was able to draw a number of parallels between these two men in looking at their craft, their heart, and their ministry. I spoke with Carol from her home in Vermont. Carol, can I tell you about how I discovered Van Gogh? I would like to hear that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I've always liked art, but never really understood it. And, and I'm in traffic in LA with my dad and, and we come to an exit and it says, uh, for the, the Getty the mm-hmm. art museum. And, and we kind of look at each other sick of sitting in traffic. And he says, Hey, I've heard it's kind of neat. Why, why don't we go? We go. And I'm walking around doing, you know, seeing stuff and, and not really knowing if I'm doing it right, but I'm interested. And then we come to a Van Gogh and it just floored me. I mean, I'd seen Van Gogh before, but there was something about in person, right? Not a print, the texture, the emotion, the, and I just, it just crushed me in a wonderful way. And I went to the security guard because I mean, I thought he's been, he stands there all day long. And I I said, Hey, how do you do this? Like, how do I look at a piece? And it was cool because he got really excited and, and was, you know, showing me where to stand and how to be with it. And I think I was there for almost an hour with this one painting and it just, any rate, so ever since then, I have just fell in love with uh, Van Gogh's work. That is wonderful to hear because um, standing in front of a painting for an hour or more is exactly what Henry Nouwen did in front of paintings. And I think that's exactly what Vincent was hoping, that you would get drawn in to his, his landscapes or whatever the painting was. I, I'm curious to know what it was, but 
uh, it doesn't matter because you did look at a painting the way one should look at a painting. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was the vase with the irises. Oh yes, okay. I, I yes. don't remember the name. That's but... interesting that you felt so drawn to that one. Wonderful, and the irises speak Irish language. The language of irises, the way Vincent would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Well, how about you? When did you first kind of begin to love Vincent's work? Well. I also always liked art, and I was definitely aware of Vincent. But in 1978, I took a class with Henry Nouwen, actually, at the Divinity School, Yale Divinity School. I audited it, and it was called The Compassion of Vincent van Gogh. And uh, my husband, Steve, who was the student there, said I should go and listen and take this class because he knew how much I loved art. That's the time when I began to understand Vincent or love Vincent. Vincent was one of the many artists I liked, but it never had drawn me in like you had that experience. But once I heard Henry Nouwen uh, using Vincent's life and his art, which is another way of speaking, his, his paintings, I realized what a depth this man had, Vincent had, and that his mission as an artist was to touch people. To, to communicate with people, to show people how deep life is and the interconnectedness between human beings and landscapes and the wheat and the, everything around nature. Anyway, that time in that classroom made me understand Vincent more. But it wasn't until 20 years later when I really began to involve myself on a much deeper level with Vincent. And I don't know if you want me to just tell you how oh, that please. happened. Yes, please. <laughs> because, um, yes, of course. So Henry Nouwen's class showed me that Vincent was a very compassionate man. But in 1996, after Henry died, I received a note from the literary executrice of his who said, I heard that you took that class in 1978, uh, The Compassion of Vincent van Gogh. Henry never wrote a book about that. He never wrote a book about the compassion of Vincent and that whole experience that Henry had. Henry had a deeply personal experience with Vincent too. And she said, well, since you've taken the class and uh, I would like you to do something about it. And she sent me the whole package of Henry Nouwen's class notes and research for that class. All of his notes. All of his class. notes. All of his handwritten, <laughs> handwritten notes. His, his, even his student, pa the student papers. Everything, and it arrived <laughs> with the admonition: do something with this. And of course, <laughs> the literary executrix um, told me that I should write a book. But I was in no way a writer. I thought, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to do this. But I did start to research more. I read the 900 letters that Vincent wrote. I began to read the books that he had read. I mean, and really it was a total immersion into Vincent. And that's when I began to give lectures and I did workshops on understanding Vincent's language of art. So that's where I'm for the last 20 years or however long that is now, I've been involved with Vincent. Thanks to Henry. Henry opened that door. What do you think Vincent was trying to say to people? Oh, so a lot of things, I think based on what he wrote. See, the wonderful thing about Vincent is that nothing I say about him doesn't come from him. Everything he thought, <laughs> read, listened to, saw, he wrote in his letters about. So he often wrote about 
why he was doing art. He had to convince his brother Theo that he was going to, at some point, have his art be understood by people. And during his lifetime, that didn't happen. But what Vincent said, so to answer your question, really, there's a very simple way that he did explain it to Theo. He just said, I want to touch people with my art. I want them to feel that I love them, that I love nature. I want them to feel that even in this insignificant body of mine, and I'm a nobody, but I know that I love God, I love nature, and I want that to be expressed in my art. Yes, that's basically what it is. He wanted to touch people. He wanted to do to people what happened to you, I think. Mm. Oh, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And the other thing, too, you know, if you look at Vincent's life, that's the thing that most people don't know. He wanted to be a pastor. Right. I heard that. Yes. And then that didn't work out. He became a missionary instead. And he was a missionary at heart all his life. And instead of speaking and doing things for other people, which he did for time, he let his art do the missionary work. And um, he grew up in Holland. He was a Dutchman. And he was very much involved with the people of the earth, the so- the, the reapers, the sowers, the diggers. In, in his many early sketches, you will see these people. And of course, one of the famous uh, works that he created in Holland was the potato eaters. And many people are familiar with that. And that is a very dark painting. He also said it's not supposed to be a beautiful painting. It's supposed to be an honest view of how people make a living and enable us to have food, the the potatoes, (laughs) for example. But he also said that one day uh, he wanted to do art that would hang in such dark places and bring comfort and light. Hmm. So that's another reason. I mean, he just, as I say, basically he wanted to touch people on a deeper level. His story of wanting to be a pastor and not, those doors were closed for him, correct? Well, they weren't. Um, He basically closed those doors himself. Um, (laughs) After many failures and different things that he tried, he decided to be a pastor and that meant he had to study for the entrance examinations at the University of Amsterdam. And when he was supposed to learn Hebrew and Greek, he said, wait a minute, I want to be a pastor. What use is, are these ancient languages in my, in my wanting to you know, help other people and comfort them and so on? And he just refused to learn those languages, which meant he couldn't enter the university So he couldn't become a pastor. That door was closed. But then he um, decided he would go to a missionary school. And in the missionary school, he trained for three months. But because he had his own ideas on how he wanted to pastor, he grew up as a pastor's son. So he knew about pastoring. Uh, But he didn't have the same ideas that the Belgian Missionary Society people had. And he was dismissed. He didn't pass the training. But at that point, and Vincent never did anything lukewarm, he was so passionate to bring the light of the gospel, as he writes, to the darkest places where he could find people that needed that light. And he could think of no other place than the the mining district, which was in the Borinage in Belgium, where people really literally needed more light. (laughs) And uh, and that's where he went as a missionary. Even though he wasn't sent, he went on his own. But the Missionary Society decided to check on him anyway. They knew that he was there, and they gave him a probationary period for six months, saying maybe he still will be able to become a good missionary. 
But after six months, after Vincent was there, not preaching any longer to the people, but actually doing what he believed Jesus would do, which was to live amongst them, to bandage them, to heal them, to, to pray with them, to give them his last piece of bread or tear up his sheets for bandages. He ended up living in a very uh, primitive hovel because he said what is good enough for the poorest of the miners is good enough for me. And I won't be able to mission to be a missionary to people if I don't understand them, if I don't know how they how they live. So when the missionary society finally did check on him after those six months, they couldn't distinguish him from the miners. And he said, <laughs> "This this mining uh, this missionary has gone too far. He he's you know." And then then this was the big and this is really how Vincent then was propelled into doing art and using art as his language because the missionary society basically said doing what Jesus would do is too much. Vincent felt a big rejection by the church at that point. Uh, He never really found his way back into a church after that. He knew that he wanted to follow Jesus and do unto others as they would want them to be done unto you. He knew all that. He had deeply steeped himself in scriptures and so on. He went on his own after that. And the, Mel, the Missionary Society also used the excuse uh, to fire Vincent, basically, that he didn't speak well enough, that his preaching wasn't good enough. Well, Vincent decided then he would use another language, and that was art. So in, in the Borinage, in that mining district, that's where the seed was planted for him to be the artist that he became. So his faith followed him through the years, even though he wasn't connected in that way. Yes, and he writes about it a lot. He was more interested in just becoming uh, an homme spirituel, a, a spiritual man, a person of faith. And he has a beautiful, uh, and in the book I write that, I quote some of his letters in the book. He writes about, if you want to know God, if you want to become more faithful, you need to love more. You need to love anything, another person. Uh, nature, books, you need to love. And you need to love with a sincere and strong, intelligent way of going about the loving. You need to understand what you're loving. And he said, by all of that, you will come closer and closer to understanding God or being closer to God. So he he was always seeking more and more to be um, stronger in his faith. Up to the point where he left the mining district, his letters were filled with scripture passages. He would quote them. He would write out hymns. He would write them to his brother, Theo. After he left the Borinage, his letters were no longer filled with scripture passages, but more about his life experiences and his deep search for God in the ways that he knew how. I have a question that I've always been curious about. Starry Night, yes. the famous one, the church light. Mm-hmm. Why is it out? <laughs> well, there are theories about that. Um, it's an interesting painting because he never painted things that he didn't look at. Starry Night is a memory painting. When he was homesick for his Dutch uh, homeland and, and, the, and his family, he painted it when he was at the asylum in the south of France. So the cypresses and Starry Night are definitely the south of France, and the church is a Dutch church. 
and the little houses next to the church do have lights in their windows. I don't know if you remember seeing that. So there are theories, and I don't remember him writing about that at all, but the theory is that the church is dark because that's not where he found God. Or he thought, uh, uh, you know, he w- the rejection had hurt him deeply. He found God and compassion and all these wonderful things in the homes where the people lived. And that's all those lights in the windows are symbolical for love and, and faith and compassion. And he does write about the light in the windows or the lights of lamps. So, yeah, the, the, the dark church may say something about his feeling about the church or the institution. Mm-hmm. This is so helpful because it, I mean, it kind of grieves me that Vincent's known for, you know, his later life and, and the, his mental health issues and such. But um, to see this kind of full picture of him really makes sense to me why Nowen would want to teach a class to care about him. Let me shift. What was that like to sit in Nowen's class in 1979? It was a little bit daunting at the time because I was amongst uh, divinity students and I was not at all one of them. Um, But I think uh, Henry had such a wonderful um, way of connecting with people, so natural that he didn't make me feel like I was, you know, not really supposed to be in a class of academic students. What I really remember about him was he was incredibly passionate about Vincent. And um, he had the old-fashioned slides, so he showed us those. And we spent a long, long time in the beginning of, of Vincent's life, in the dark period, so to speak, because Henry wanted us to go through what Vincent had gone through in terms of his struggle to reach people on a, on a, on a level of solidarity. So as Henry was talking with his Dutch accent, and he would quote Vincent's letters, it almost seemed the two fused, because so much of what Henry said was found in, in Vincent's letters and vice versa. So that experience was quite tremendous. And I don't know if anyone else could have taught us a class on Henry, I mean, on Vincent, <laughs> but Henry. He, he had encountered uh, Vincent van Gogh's art in Holland at the newly opened Van Gogh Museum. And I think exactly what you described as you saw those, that painting, uh, when he walked through, he could see the um, chronological growth of Vincent's work from the early sketches all the way to the incredibly brilliant uh, things. And so he began to understand that there was a language and that was a, there was a message in all of this. So because Vincent had that deep personal understanding of how Vincent touched him, he was able to convey that to us. I will never forget that class because of Henry's almost impersonating Vincent, not intending to, but <laughs> it was like it, almost like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and the tie of compassion, the compassionate life. Can you speak a little about that? Henry felt that were the components of a compassionate life were almost three stages, and they are solidarity consolation and comfort. And my book is based on those three uh, concepts or components of the compassionate life. And he was able to use Vincent's evolution almost from the country boy to, you know, missionary and then to the struggling artist and his interactions with people to those three stages. 
So solidarity was when he was with about minors, for example. Um, the consolation part was when he actually brought in to his own little studio a, a woman, a, a, a prostitute, one of his models, and suffered with her and didn't try to make her better, but wanted her to understand that she was somebody of worth. And he felt that if he loved her, he could give her that. And then, of course, wanting to touch people, to bring comfort to people through his art is that third stage. So Henry really uh, focused in his class on those three different stages. And uh, when you read Vincent's letters and you look at his art, those stages are there. You can see them develop and they overlap, of course. But then you stay, you know, and what happened with me, you begin to look at your own life and see where these stages are. And it's always, you're always in one stage or another, depending on whom you're with or where you are. But those stages made a lot of sense that a compassionate person has to, first of all, be able to, to feel the connectedness with all human beings and then to um, be in a place with another human being where that person is suffering and not to tell that person, oh, it's going to be okay, but to just be there with that person and, and actually admit I'm also hurting. I also, I can understand and let's be there together. Let's cry together. But then through that interaction, the, the coming together, like compassion means compati, coming together, because you have shared such an intimate time with human beings, you can move through that time and find some strength together. That's that's how Vincent put, uh, Henry put it. I keep mixing up Henry and Vincent often. <laughs> so anyway. I can see why. I'm just thinking through, you know, the wounded healer, the yeah. uh, prodigal son. Like, yeah. it's in there, right? Yeah, it's all in morning, there. Turn my morning to dancing. The, yeah. Yeah, Henry has written about those stages in different ways. But then he, as I say, it just he just found a case study. He found Vincent. So he That's made it. the connection. That's he Henry's did. connection for those three. Yeah. That is Henry's connection. Exactly. Yeah. Did you get a sense of um, Henry's favorite Van Gogh painting? Well, I know that he really loved uh, Vincent's sower. And Vincent painted several images of the sower. But um, I think of all images, besides, of course, the sunflowers too, but the sower had such a symbolic meaning for Henry because he often would say, in order for any... Uh, growth to happen, the ground has to be broken for the seed to be able to fall into it and then germinate. So we have to, we have to be sown like a seed almost and die in a certain way in order to produce new life. And so he, he often talked about the sower. And that was actually also Vincent's favorite peasant character. He liked to paint, you know, all kinds of workmen and, and, uh, peasants and farmers and so on, but he came back to the sower. And I think that goes back also to the biblical parables that he heard as a child sitting around uh, his father's pastor's table and the biblical stories were read. So he was hearing the stories of sowing the seed and so on, and he was outdoors. He He grew up in rural Holland. He could see that happening. So he connected the parables of Jesus with the actual going on out outside. I think both Henry and Vincent loved the sower image for that reason. It had a parable effect and he painted. And that's what I think with Vincent. 
one of the um, Sower paintings is almost a parable in paint. I'm curious, is there any connection? I mean, I'm going to keep going with the sense of how their lives mirrored each other and the parallels in terms of how they both, their lives turned out in the end and, and Henry going to, to be with the folks and, and Vincent's life and the lack of community. And is there any connection you see between the two and perfectly fine if there's not i'm just curious well i think uh what what i do know about henry he was always searching for a place to call home um he was in america he he loved to go back to holland but he was in america that was the place he would stay and he was at harvard he was at you know yale he was in different academic settings but Eventually, and he never was 100% at home. You know, often in the academic settings, he was maybe uh, just not comfortable. He was very popular with the students, but that caused frictions maybe with the other professors. Anyway, he, he just was always struggling to find a place. And he was invited to go to that large community up in Toronto by Jean Vanier, who, who actually uh, founded those communities with the um, disabled or handicapped adults to, to live in community with them. And that's where he found a home. And it was almost a borinage, like the Belgian mining district experience that Vincent had. Henry was down living amongst the people uh, in large, caring for them. No one you know, bothered about asking him whether he was a professor and how many books he had written. These were people <laughs> who just, you know, responded to his care. And he, he gave the care, but he also got so much back and learned so much from the people. So it, it there is a similarity there. I think Henry understood where he needed to go to find a home. And it was freeing in that sense for him. He didn't have to pretend to be anyone except Henry. And the people there, and we visited Henry there in that large community and uh, experienced also the Eucharist that he did with them. It was a beautiful uh, environment where Henry was just Henry. It was, be- it was really, um, you could tell he was in a place that he felt home. It's almost, I'm, I'm continuing here, it's almost that um, Vincent was feeling at home with the miners, but he felt at home mostly with people who were marginalized, who were not upper class people. Like in Paris, he hoped maybe to to be given entrance to some of the higher homes where he would find some people he could maybe use as models or so on. But he never connected with people like that. He always felt much more comfortable with the people of the soil, the, the laborers of the soil in the cities, he would be finding his models in the soup kitchens and in the almshouses. <laughs> That's where he felt life was happening for him. And so Henry and Vincent, in that sense, they, they do mirror each other. Yeah. The end of Vincent's life, what do you make of how things turned out for him? Yes, it's an interesting topic. Vincent, by the time he uh, was in that asylum in the south of France, he was having seizures. So his health had deteriorated for different reasons. Um, He painted, though, some of his most expressive paintings during that one year he was in the asylum. Then his brother, uh, Theo, who was in Paris, wanted Vincent to come back north, to be closer to Paris. So that's where he then spent the 70 last days of his life, was in a little town called Auvers-sur-Oise, where he was um, in, a, in a little attic room of an inn, and he had a doctor that did kind of take care of him. Um, 
so the end of Vincent's life, Vincent painted and had no indication, there was no indication in any of his last letters that he would end his life, which is one of the narratives, the main narrative that we hear. It's not the only narrative. It's right? not the only one, no. But but I think most people will, will still think, who haven't delved into Vincent that much, that he committed suicide. My reading of his letters and my sense of Vincent, whom I got to know through those letters, is that he didn't, but that there was an accidental uh, shooting by, um, and this is a theory, of course, he never said anything about it, by some teenage boys who were actually in possession of a, a, a rusty pistol. And that was known. So he was wounded. That's what I believe. And then died two days later. But in his last letter to Theo, he still writes, even though he was going through a hard time, his, his seizures did trouble him. And uh, Theo at that time was also not healthy. And so there were, there were sorrows and, and difficulties for Vincent. But he still wrote, I'm working on this art piece and I'm, I need this and this and this paint. Please send it to me. You know, so there was no indication. He still had that zest for life. Oh, yeah. 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 And still the enthusiasm. He had found a beautiful garden that he was painting at that time. Um, so, yes, his last 70 days were not easy, but they were still, I mean, he painted or drew 70 pictures and paintings during that time. So he was full of vigor in terms of doing that. His health suffered, but his desire to paint didn't dim. So he was still doing that. The book you did about the class with with Henry and and you divided in those three sections, and then you did another book on the spiritual life of Vincent. Yes. That, can you tell us a little about that book? Yes, that is the first book I wrote, and um, it came about because I gave a talk about Vincent and Henry at the tenth anniversary of Henry Nouwen's death in Toronto. I was asked, many people were asked to give a keynote, and I gave one, and that had to do with that connection between Henry and Vincent, which many people were so aware of, but hadn't really heard that much about. And at that lecture, at that talk, was the editor of Orbis Books, and he then asked me, would you do something uh, that would uh, describe Vincent in terms of his spirituality, because Orbis Books has a series called Modern Spiritual Masters. And the editor thought it would be wonderful to have an artist as a spiritual master, as one of those in the series. And so that, that's what that book became. It became um, one in the series of Modern Spiritual Masters and did focus on uh, Vincent's spirituality, which most of it comes from his letters and then the, the mission that he had with his art. So Henry is hardly mentioned in that book at all, even though my insights, and I think I do write it somewhere, were gleaned from Henry. Many of the in-depth look at Vincent was at the urging of Henry. How did these two men impact your life? I'm very fortunate that I was able to focus on these two because I love art, uh, because uh, I, of course, was touched by Henry. We became friends and he, our lives intersected a few times before he died. So he was always part of our life journey. He was Steve's, uh, my husband Steve's uh, mentor at Yale Divinity School. So Henry impacted our lives. But I think I'm more grateful even to Henry that he put me in touch with Vincent uh, in this way. 
because it's made me understand art better in general. Uh, it has also made me look at life differently in terms of, of what both Henry and Vincent did uh, with their um, compassionate outreach to people. And so my book has a few of those stories in it from uh, Steve's and my ministry together, where those moments of solidarity and consolation and comfort were made um, visible only because I could think about it afterwards and said, oh, that that's what Henry was talking about. And that's what Vincent wrote about and lived through as that moment of solidarity. So looking back over the 40 plus years in, in our ministry, I could find examples of what Henry talked about. And I think Henry deepened our awareness of those moments of grace and the moments where we were able to be touched. It's not just about us touching others, it's we were touched through people being in solidarity with us and consoling us too. They definitely have been companions, both of them. <laughs> There's a phrase that I think of when I think of both of them, and I'm curious if your thoughts on it, if it even makes sense, because it, it's going to sound kind of odd. Both those men have tremendously impacted my life. And, and here's the line, I think. They told the truth. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like Henry was so good of, oh yeah. Right. Being yeah. honest with it. And, yeah. and there's an honesty in Vincent's work that I don't understand it, but I, I feel like he told the truth. Is that, what are your thoughts on that? Statement? No, I think you, you really are right because Henry um, was not afraid to admit his own vulnerability and his own brokenness. And he was truthful about that and enabled you know, anybody who was with him or even reading his books to realize one's own um, inner, you know, struggle and to be honest about that. And in terms of honesty and Vincent, if you read his letters to his brother Theo, they became soulmates when both of them were teenagers and had vowed to be honest with each other uh, through their letters mostly because they didn't, you know, in those days it was letter writing to keep in touch. And so Vincent, like Henry, bears his soul. Every struggle, every thought that he had, every doubt, um, every angry moment, uh, you know, they're there in the letters. And I think that's what you're, what you're saying. That's exactly what it is. They were both truthful. And, Hen and Vincent, of course, never thought that one day other people would read all those letters. And I sometimes <laughs> even felt like I was intruding. But he didn't have to hide anything for his brother, Theo, who was his soulmate, friend, and brother. So that's where you get that honesty. And so when he painted, he always said, you know, I don't care so much about academic ratios of this and that. I care about gesture. I care about, you know, presenting the truth. The image doesn't have to be academically beautiful, but it has to be truthful. And he says that many times in his letters. So that's what you, mm -hmm. that's what you feel hey, when you look at his All right. <laughs> There's something about the texture and the just the oh, yeah. there's emotion just in that and yes yeah yes he painted so much but when you think of it it was only you know from age 33 to 37 so almost only four years that he painted all these things but in the end those last paintings at the asylum where he was painting to convey messages to others but he was painting his own pain and his own suffering 
And so he sensed the energy that was around him in nature and he sensed the struggle. You know, for example, uh, the olive trees that he painted, they're thousands of years old and they're gnarly and they've gone through a lot, you know, a lot of weather and and growth and, and so on and drought. And when he walked through those olive tree groves, he could sense the struggle that they portrayed. So that's what he then painted. So he uses lots of paint and his energetic brushstrokes are definitely what you saw even in the irises. He uses the energy that is out there and puts it on his canvas. His brushstrokes are very powerful because you see them and you see the bits of sand and little flies and things like that that are caught in the paintings as he painted outside. So it's just, you know, real moment that he's capturing things. Yeah, honest. Carol, this is just a super delight for me. Thank you for the time and and for carrying the work with your classes and and writing of helping uh, us appreciate these these two folks. Thank you. It's it's a joy for me to be able to talk about them. And that was Carol Berry, author of Learning from Henry Nouwen and Vincent Van Gogh. Her other work is quite wonderful. It's titled Vincent Van Gogh, His Spiritual Vision in Life and Art. I'm Nathan Foster, and you've been listening to the Renovare Podcast. This work is made possible by the generosity of donors like you. Thank you. You can support Renovare and this podcast with a tax-deductible gift at renovare.org slash donate. Renovare is a Christian ecumenical renewal effort offering resources and experiences to help people become more like Jesus. You can find a collection of thoughtfully curated articles, podcast webinars, online classes, as well as information on events and our institute at renovare.org. encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you find this work helpful, it'd be great if you'd leave us a review. This podcast is produced by Brian Morricon, who also wrote the opening song titled Be Kind. Until next time, be well, friends. Be well.